Oracle. How are you going? I'm good, Connie. How are you? Good, man. Really good. Uh, how are you doing after the weekend? Managed to get your head out of the form guide for uh, 20 minutes or so to have a chat to us? Yeah. Um, yeah I've got to try and claw back some losses that we had over the weekend. It was an uncharacteristic strip out, unfortunately. So, yeah, we're just trying to <laughs> um, get everything together and hopefully we're good to go for this weekend. Yeah, it was a it was a rough day uh, on the horses. Um, I don't know, like I, yeah, I'd, we've we've been doing all right, and maybe up until that weekend, really, we've we managed to get at least one winner every yeah. weekend. Yeah, we're, we're do, we were doing really really well until the weekend, and giving out the three tips, so we're only down three units for the weekend. So really, when we look at it like that, like it's it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to us, but it's just annoying to walk away with nah, not a single winner on the day. Yeah, I know. It's rough. But we'll be back. Um, of course we will. Now, we had the Rugby League World Cup finish up over the weekend. You you caught the game, I assume. Yeah, I did. I, I, I turned my phone off and then I, I watched the replay in the in the early hours of it. And it was exactly how I thought it would run go, really. Yeah, there was nothing exciting about it, I feel. No, nah. um, nah, it's just a clinical Aussie display and then... You saw Samoa just get those two late. Well, one try was quite a good try, but then you got that intercept there. So technically it would have been, they would have remained 30 to or into the single digits anyway. And it really was just one-sided, wasn't it? Yeah. from Like even though they didn't put a big score on them, like they never looked out of control of that game. The Australians. Nah, and exactly. I've noticed, um, see, I thought the World Cup would heat up a bit coming into, you know, those finals. Um and I've noticed uh, that, like, you know, podcasts that I listen to for a bit of footy stuff, like Bloke in a Bar and all those mm. sort of ones, they they try really hard to, like, keep some enthusiasm about, you know, the finals that we've just watched and that. Like, the England-Samoa one, I reckon, was a really good game. I was arguably uh, the, game of the, the game of the World Cup, I reckon. Yeah, I think so, it's definitely. But the rest of them, even the Australian New Zealand one, I was like, it wasn't bad, but I just, I don't know. I just wasn't that it into was, it. It was boring. It's kind of watched boring, it. Hey, for a close finish. Like, yeah, like it was close finish. And I think if you if you didn't actually physically watch the game, you kind of would have sat back and gone, oh my God, it would have been a great game. Yeah. But no, it was junk. Like it, it was the, there was a lot of mistakes from both teams. Yeah. Like it really didn't have what I thought the semi-final would, would bring. No, they just look like two sides that kind of hadn't gelled well. And I don't know, I don't know. I just hear, and then I think England were, were the better side against Samara and it was a real shame that they didn't get through because the game, yeah. England versus Australia as a final in England would have been a much better game to watch than australia Samara. I do agree. And, and I did cheer for Samara in that match purely because it just... Samoa against England, and I hate I hate seeing England win anything. But really, when we reflect on it now, after the fact, England would have given us a lot more competition, definitely. I think so, and they would have been fired up to do it at home. It's disappointing, but that's the Rugby League World Cup. But like what what I was saying was, I listen to these podcasts, and and they come on with so much enthusiasm about the the, the World Cup final we just saw, and isn't it great? And like, let's be fucking honest, it kind of fucking sucked. You know, it certainly didn't live up to the expectations that I think everyone had. And I think you only look at those like bloke in a bar with Dan and Kemp. He's so passionate about his rugby league that yeah. he, 
I, I, and I love that about him. Like he, like even with the Broncos, but he's just so passionate that nothing could, um, <laughs> nothing could change his his thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, he do, he does love it. I mean, he's made it's given him everything he's got. His love of rugby league and good on him. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. But uh, we, yeah, well, I don't know what's a, this whole thing about Samoa being a tier. What are they? They're tier two yeah. at the moment, aren't they? So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I read an article like after the after the final, and there was some chat of them if they won the World Cup and and beat Australia that they would be in like be be deemed a tier one nation. But there's still talk of that actually happening moving into this year. So it's going to be it'll be obviously the usual suspects, but then Tonga and Samoa being elevated to that tier one status. Yeah, well they probably should be because I mean. They're up there. What if at the moment we've only got three tier one teams, right? Yeah, yeah. You might as well put them up there. And that the they were speaking about implications for state of origin with that because at the moment, as as it stands, you can't play for what is it Samoa or you? Well, Victor Radley can't go and play Origin now that he's playing played for England, right? Correct. So if you've paid for a tier one nation then you're no longer eligible for, for origin as yeah. such. Even if you qualify for that 13, you know, that rule that they have for 13-year-olds or whatever it is. Yeah, that ridiculous shit. Yeah. What is it? If you won't, if you won't here playing, if you played rugby league here after 13 years old, if you started in Australia, what, you don't qualify for it? I think it's like the first game of rugby league that you, where you played your first game of rugby league after turning 13. Yeah, so that makes sense. what? How did remember how they blocked Mulatalo from playing for the for Queensland? Yeah, yeah, because he put his hand up and said, and "He's like, I pledge my allegiance. I won't be playing international footy and all that kind of stuff." Yeah, yeah, and they blocked him because he was fucking. He's, I think he played in New Zealand or something, right? Potentially, yeah. I think that was the issue. But his first club game was after thirteen in in Australia was in Queensland. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It's weird because I guess like, well, I don't know. They, it, it sucks that they're going to be blocking Victor Radley from playing Origin because he's an Origin footy, football, you know. Oh, he's an, he's a mongrel, isn't he? Yeah. What about how he uh, headbutted that bloke over there after England dropped <laughs> out of the final? The Irish, the Irish, um, the Irish player. Yeah, some Irish hack. I don't know his name. That Irish so, team yeah. was useless. So apparently, he was giving him heat about how he wasn't good enough to make the Australian team. So that's why he defaulted to England. And and Victor obviously took a bit of an offence to that. And and he's the last person I'd be throwing throwing lip out anyway. Yeah. Wow. Was that what it was? Because I read that he was Victor was sticking up for the coach of England because that Irish guy was telling him was telling the coach was blowing up at the coach of England because he didn't pick him in the uh, in the squad, so he had to go and play for Ireland. Oh, I was under the impression that it was because of that he was giving Radley shit. Nah, you're probably yours is right. I just read that on some bullshit um, internet uh, article, but yours sounds yeah. way more like it. Like, why yes. would he headbutt? Uh, someone over just because someone was having a words to the English coach about not selecting them. He definitely had but someone if they told him he wasn't good enough to make Australia. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's a bit lippy, pretty funny. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me who was who was it who Dave Warner clocked? Remember? Oh, wasn't it? Um, was no, it, Joe it wasn't Root? Michael Slater? Was it? Oh no. It, didn't he clock Joe Root or something like that? In the oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then he, I, I remember he nearly got in a fucking fight with um, Slater, didn't he? I think, yeah. Awesome. Well, Slater's, Slater's a bit, he's gone a bit uh, woo-woo, hasn't he? Well, yeah, what was going on? Wasn't he like stuck overseas during COVID and he started tweeting all this stuff and then got fired, tweeting yeah. anti-government rhetoric and got fired from his Channel 9 stuff? Yeah, and I think he's battled a few little things here and there, like um, a few mental health demons for sure. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure him and Warner nearly got in a fist fight, or they did get in a fist fight in the Maldives. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I do remember that now. Actually, the Maldives, yeah. Yeah, is that, that he, Yeah, because that, um, that was during COVID, wasn't it? Didn't he ship off when we were doing all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I think they were both well, – I think they were both um, – I'll look it up now, but I think they were both over doing IPL shit. Yeah. And they couldn't get back home, so they went to the um, Maldives or something. And didn't like, they initially – I swear, like, they both came out, like, completely denied it. And you're like, you know where there's smoke, there's fire, there's always something going on. Yeah, yeah. They had a late-night physical exchange inside a Maldives bar. There you go. Um. Yeah, they'd probably just had a few too many pina coladas. Definitely. I wonder what it was about. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Um. Yet, yeah. What were we talking about? Rugby league. Bob's the implications for Origin with Tier One nations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't know what the fuck they're going to just come out and backflip on all that Tier One shit. So Radley probably will end up being able to play for New South Wales because. They're definitely not gonna like they, those teams have to be come tier one teams like they're playing like it. You can't just keep the other three. So unless they don't make them tier one, so that it does, they don't have to change any origin rules. But there's no way like half of that New South Wales squad was playing for Samoa. Exactly, and then you got you got some up and comings playing for Tonga. Oh, who was who did Sawaliki play for? Was it Samoa or Tonga? Samoa. Yeah. So there you go. So. You got a p- potential up and coming star of rugby league who is a star now when you really reflect on it. You got Luai, Paulo, Toho, like far out. Like if they, if they, those guys aren't playing Origin next year, like do you reckon that would weaken Origin as such? 100%. You, exactly. You, it'd, well, it'd certainly weaken New South Wales. They would, and they, you got to think like like Origin is like rugby league's like pin up event. It's like the one where they everyone in Australia watches it. Everyone is like glued to their screens. Like everything's about it. And for them to then wipe like essentially a heap of players out of it is just they need to change something because I I fear for Origin if they if they keep these international rules going with the way they are. Yeah, they'll they'll change it, man. They won't hesitate to it all. Yeah, Origin is the is the pinnacle of the NRL. It's bigger than grand the grand final. Easy, definitely. Like it really is. It's um and it's great because and actually, Minga was saying this to me because he's from Victoria, mm. and he obviously doesn't follow much um NRL. But from what he has seen and following the Origins, he said it thing that he liked about it was. You, if you're from Queensland or New South Wales, you've got no matter how your act, your club side does uh, during the season, you've got a grand final. You're guaranteed a grand final every year for for your state with state yeah. of origin. And it's true, yeah. you know, like it's it's good. Like you can you can support your club team, and it doesn't matter if they're bottom of the table. Like you're going to have something to really get excited about. 
That's it. And, and and how often is Origin like? It's it's always a contest. Like you don't. Yes, there was a blowout year. What was it last year or the year before? You know when New South Wales just belted us. Yeah, that was the last year. I'm pretty sure. But but you don't see blowouts happen that often. Like even during like the golden era Queensland, like you'd never saw us absolutely blow them off the park for all three games. No. So it is a competition that people want to see. Yeah, it's always it's always pretty competitive. Um, yeah, and like it's just good that um, Queensland can keep winning it as as gross underdogs. Exactly, but I think we'll always be underdogs because I don't think we'll ever have those. Like there was even times when the we had the the dream team still there, and and we were underdogs at times. Yeah, and I can't see us being anything but underdogs for at least the next four or five years. No, exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't. Like I agree with you, hundred percent. One thing before we get off rugby league, I want to ask you because I've just sort of started thinking about it with all the talk between Cleary and DCE. Not that I wanted a bar of any of that chat because it was stupid. Cleary was always going to be the seven. Um, mm. But just in regards to him being this great player, um, I don't know if it's because I'm biased and because he's New South Wales, you know, star halfback. Um, I'm not saying he's not really good. He's obviously great. He's he's probably the, easily the best seven in the game at the moment. I don't know if he's done enough for me yet to say that he is one of the greatest, you know, sevens of all time. I just don't know what it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but I don't. I just don't see him as a guy like an Andrew Johns or a Jonathan Thurston, and like definitely at least not yet. Like, what do you, what do you think about him? Well, we've got to remember, like, he's only 24 years old. Yeah. Like, like what he's achieved in the game in his short career is pretty phenomenal when you look at it like that. Yeah, true. Like, think about, like, if you compare, like, Joey, you compare your Jonathan Thurston's and, and like the great sevens that we've even Cooper Cronks, you could probably put up oh, there. Yeah. When you compare where he's Alfie at, <laughs> Alfie, another one. When you compare where they were at at twenty four versus where Nathan Cleary's at, it's pretty impressive. Like he's won a, he's won two grand finals. He's now won a World Cup. He's won what? Has he won a Dally M? Uh, won a Dally M. I would M. say definitely. He's won a Dally. Yeah, he's won a Dally M. <laughs> he's won a Clive Churchill. Like. The, the the stats don't lie. Yeah. He's and pretty much done it all. He hasn't won he an Origin has. Series yet, though, playing. I think, yeah, I think that's the only thing that, he, that he's missing, yeah. or obviously, and, and, a, and a Wally Lewis medal as well. So when we look at it like that, like he is a brilliant player, and I think people... Well, he, well he, hang on, he they won that series, but he didn't play the, he didn't play the whole series, right? Yeah. Did yeah, he get suspended like or injured or something like that, didn't he? I think he, he got, oh, I think he got injured, man. I can't remember. Oh, was it the shoulder? Wasn't it a shoulder? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 So in my opinion, I couldn't stand him back in the day. And I and I, I'm not, he's not like I'm not cap, captain of his fan club at all. Um, but I still think he's a phenomenal player. And what he's achieved in the game in such a short period of time, I think he's only going to leapfrog from here if he keeps going on this up to, upwards trajectory. Yeah, well, with um with that World Cup win, like you mentioned. Uh, add that to his resume, but well, I don't really know if they mean that much, man. The way those things play out, do you know what I mean? And mm. even with 
like the Australians have been so dominant in rugby league for as long as I can remember. You'd have to bring it up, like the the history of it. To like, when was the last time we lost to New Zealand or something like that? In a World Cup, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't it, it the last World Cup? I think it was. Yeah, before COVID. Yeah, because that was. I think that was New Zealand's only World Cup win. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna look it up now. But before that, like, did we ever lose? I think I think in the early years, Great Britain, Great Britain were a bit of a, a force. I think when I'm saying early, I'm talking very early. But I'm pretty sure didn't we go on a run of about like nine or ten or something like that? Like we were we were pretty dominant. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Hang on, I've got results for them up here from 1950 to 2017. Perfect. So 1954, Great. Britain beat France, 1957. Yeah. Australia beat Great Britain, 1960. Yeah. Great Britain pumped Australia, 1968. Yeah. Australia pumped France, 1970. Australia just beat Great Britain, 1972. Great Britain and Australia tied at 10 uh-huh. all. But there's a asterisk next to Great Britain, whatever that means. In 1975, okay. it's just got Australia with a bunch of asterisks. No opponent. Not really sure what that means. Um, 1977, Australia, one point to Great Britain. So back then, New Zealand, up until up until 1988, New Zealand had not made an appearance in a final. Oh, there you go. So Great Britain, well, now we know as England, oh, obviously our, um, our main rivals. Definitely. For that 20 or so years, and then you've got... 88, we beat New Zealand. 92, we beat Great Britain. 95, they start calling themselves England and we beat them again. Yeah. Uh, 2000, we pumped New Zealand. 2008, New Zealand beat us. So that was ages ago. I said 08. Okay. And then 2013, we got them back and pumped them. And then 2017, we beat England. Wow, Six there nil. you go. I don't remember that in the final. No, nah, me neither. God, that would have been boring. You know, we talk about the, the other one being boring. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's pretty dominant there. I mean. Oh, yeah. And, like, probably I wonder, do you, do you have, like, do you know the All Black stats? Um, what sort of stats do you want? Because I'll them up. Do you want how many Bledisloes they've won? Or, just, well, Bledisloes is mainly just with us. But in terms of World Cups... Yes, I think they've won three because the they've won three. We've won two. South Africa have won two. Like they're not as dominant. They've always been renowned as that. Ch- well, they were. I don't think they are now, but they were renowned as that choking team. Yeah, that that's never right. Remember? And they, they, they'd won like one World Cup and then always choked. Come Because remember England beat them when we hosted it and all that. All right, here we go. Yeah. So. 87 England, yeah. We won 91, South Africa 95, us 99, England 03. Oh, 99, what a year. Oh, that was when rugby was good. <laughs> um, 2003 England, 2007 South Africa, and then New Zealand won 11 and 15, South Africa 19. So South Africa have won three, New Zealand have won three, we've won two, and England have won one. Okay. So if you look at it like that, they haven't been like – in a, on terms in terms of a World Cup, they haven't been dominant. No, it's more so the last ten years that were that yeah. were so dominant, right? Exactly. 
Well, I don't know if you can, like, you can say that Australia, yeah, you can't say that in rugby league, the Australian rugby league team is as dominant as the All Blacks, or can you? Well, this is, I, I, if, <laughs> if we open up this hotline, I reckon I could, I'm going to cop it from a couple of Kiwi listeners if we've got them. Yeah. I, I think the Kangaroos are more dominant than the All Blacks. Yeah. I mean, right. you could say and, so. And I'll, I'll give my reasoning, but but again, me being a rugby union boy, I love watching the All Blacks. And I'll go out of my way to watch an All Blacks where sometimes I won't go out of my way to watch a, a Kangaroos game purely for because of, of their dominance. So how I look at it, New Zealand uh, rugby union mad. It's like religion over there, yeah? Yeah. So when you look at it like the sports that New Zealand people, like New Zealand people play, it's rugby union. And it's sevens, which is like a link of rugby union. Rugby league, soccer, I don't think they're overly good at. I know they've got a soccer team. And then netball, yeah? Yeah. Because I know that their um, um, males are quite good at netball as well. So if we're looking at it like that, you're looking at what? Their males major, are good at netball. They're very good apparently, yeah. What have you, What do you mean? And so is there male netball teams? Yeah. There, so they've got male netball teams. Oh, and actually, there's I think they've got base. Um, sorry, not baseball. Softball is now big in New Zealand as well. That's weird. Yeah, where are you watching these male netball games? I'm not watching them. I'm just <laughs> I'm just hearing from I'm hearing <laughs> chat from people more than anything. Really? So, so they yeah, have like because so, isn't netball big in the Olympics? Yeah, well, for the females anyway. For males, obviously, we don't play. It's played. Well, yeah, we just don't play netball. But how I look at it, there's what, what four major sports to New Zealand, yeah? yeah. And then what, what's their population? What, five, six, seven million, yeah? Yeah, it wouldn't be much more. So, so we're looking at it like that. And then we come down to Australia. Yes, we've got a bigger population. I wouldn't even know what else. What, 25 million, yeah? Uh, it was 20, 26. 26 a few years ago, I think. There you go. So 26 million. But think about all of the major sports that we've got competing with each other for, for participation, particularly if we're, if we're looking purely as in the male side of things. You've got AFL, which is huge. You've got cricket. You've got soccer. You've got rugby league, rugby union. So you look at all the tiers and how many different sports we've got to, I guess, disperse amongst our population versus how many they're dispersing. Like the dominant sport, obviously, in New Zealand with males would be rugby union, yeah? So I don't know. I'm just looking in terms of like the pools of of individuals that we're playing against or, or, or like creating teams. It's pretty similar if we're looking at it in, like that. So you can't just say that the All Blacks are, are so dominant because they're beating everyone because um, the Kangaroos are doing the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I think the only thing that – The look, other that's, thing that's – a, that's, a, that's a massive – you know, what you're saying with the, the population, I guess per capita what sports people play. Um, mm-hmm. AFL and league and union, us having three codes here that splits up all our talent – it's going to hurt us, like, majorly. It hurts us a lot in rugby union. 100%. And if, if, you, if you're looking at, like, past union players who now play league, probably either because they like league more or because of a financial incentive, think about the, uh, the a Wallabies team that we could create with past union players. Like, yeah. there would be a lot of league players in contention for that. And even a player like an Addo Carr or something like that. Look how successful Corabetti's been over there for the Wallabies. And Addo yeah. Carr, in my opinion, he was a better winger in rugby league. Yeah, man. No, if, if our best league players were 
playing union, if we didn't have rugby league, we would. I reckon we'd pretty much be what the All Blacks are now. Yeah, exactly. So you look at it like that, but then I do look on the All Black side of this debate, and I go, all right, well, there's so many world class teams that the All Blacks are versing. So you've yeah. got like obviously all your European, like England, Ireland, Wales, probably not so much now that they lost to Georgia, but England, Ireland, Wales, um, their France have always pushed them. And then you've got adding South Africa who are weapons, Argentina who are wonderful as well. So you're looking at like in terms of the competition, Australia have really only until recent times have had New Zealand and England to, to beat kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like you, the only reason I wouldn't say it is because of just the level of comp- competition. Um, yeah. It's just not the same. Like you, or, or is that because the kangaroos are far superior? And it makes the other play, other teams look inferior. Well, I think what it is is more that like, um, so for those countries, rugby league is not up there as their main entrance. So they're kind of getting the um, a lot of the rejects, if you will, or the dregs. Yeah, yeah, the dregs um, to kind of fill those codes, and that's what we're coming up against. Whereas rugby league is a different thing over here. It's almost yeah. like it challenges rugby union it probably these days trumps it as like our number one code not not you know considering afl because it's it's not rugby you know just our rugby yeah. codes um so yeah i mean that it's i i can't i can't say that they are i just don't think it's the same thing yeah it is, is hard shame. to say but but i but will could- i will say that if we didn't have rugby league we would be in the position New Zealand's in. I'm almost certain of it. We would be a much more competitive rugby union side, definitely. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we could probably carry on about that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just go to another World Cup because I'm actually really enjoying this. Um, yeah. I never watch soccer, but when the Soccer World Cup comes around, I am always keen to get as much in as possible. Shame about the time zones for this because it's fucking oh, as bad as they could possibly be. It's horrific, isn't it? Yeah. But have you – have you? oh, what about that uh, – I guess it was the first one I watched because you got those 9 o'clock slots that are on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the like, or the night ones, yeah. Yeah, so you get that first game of the day over there at uh, well, 9 o'clock here in uh, New yeah. South Wales time. But, yeah, it's uh, – Oh, that was Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was good. I loved it. It, it was fantastic. Like, I was – so I, I looked at, like, the before I went to bed that night because I think that was – I think it was a pretty lackluster type quality of matches that, that night. And I remember looking, oh, I was like, the RGs are playing, unreal. Can't wait to hear how messy goes and all those boys. Mm. And then when I'm up in the morning and I was just, like, checking Twitter – and it was just blowing up about Argentina. And then when you go and watch it, far out. Like, it was ridiculous. So, I'm so stoked for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They, yeah. Did, you, did you hear what the government did over in Saudi Arabia? No, what'd they do? They organised a national public holiday in celebration. Oh, my God. Because it was their second ever World Cup um, win. <laughs> That's unreal. In history. In was, history. was it like that day? Or the next day did they do it? Or are they just I doing think, it next year? I don't know. I think they well they took that day off, like the whole the whole of the Immediately. The tools yeah. down. It was like tool it was <laughs> it was tools down. And and that I think that's the best thing about this World Cup is 
it brings countries back together. Yeah. And that's like, that's what, and literally this is why they call soccer the world game because it's like every, every single country plays it. Yeah. Yeah. Even we do. So, even, even we do. Yeah, poorly. Yeah. But at least we, at least we made the world cup. It, it could be worse. You could be an Italian fan. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, that's competitive, that European qualifying. Uh, <sighs> Circuit, isn't it? Um, there's a, there's a lot of heartbroken European countries every year oh, not getting into that. Because I'm pretty sure, like, uh, Italy up there with, like, the highest, like, they've won quite a few Soccer World Cup. Yeah. Well, like, they, they won Because obviously year, I think... What, that that They cheated us out of it. Yeah, because Brazil would obviously be the highest or most winners, yeah? I'm not sure, but I'm going to find out. But I, I'm pretty sure... Do you know? Do you remember who won the last one? Germany uh, was, was it? it. Was it Germany? Yeah. In Brazil. Uh, or was it France? Oh, could it be? Because wasn't it in Russia? Remember, like there was all that shit going down with, um, with Putin and all that kind of stuff. Because then they had the Winter Olympics there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been. Hang on, I'll find out. Yeah. Just getting the list. Oh, geez, we're not gonna. We're gonna go. No, we won't go all the way back to 1930. But if that was the first one, it looks like Uruguay won four-two yeah. against Argentina. Okay. In Uruguay. Then you've got Italy. Italy. Uruguay again. Geez, they were pretty good back in the Uruguay 1930s, 50s, and West Germany, as they were called then. Yeah. Brazil, Brazil, England, Brazil. England, 1966. That was the last and only one they've ever got. Wow. <laughs> they beat West Germany. God, what, in how England. long is that? Jeez, how that would have been that drought? I know. Have they made, how many, um, have, have they made any finals other, and like been runner-up or even like, have they got top four at all, England? Going by or this, they, they be- haven't made enough finals since then. Oh, Wow. I didn't know the history was that much with them. Yeah, 50 years, man, at least. Well, that Jeez. might be more than 50 years now. Yeah. So that's, that was they, – they've got my $10 on at 100 to 1 for my better account. England? England, yeah. So I got, I got, English, so I got a, a client of mine. He's a teacher. Yeah. Mad Pommy. Lives and breathes leads. So he – every Soccer World Cup, he does a sweep with all his work colleagues, but he always puts me in on it as well. So I've drawn England this year. Yeah, so, nice, good. Yes, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I'm with you. And then seeing the result against Iran, it it, it, it improved yeah. my confidence. I guess we'll call it. Yeah, the, yeah, it perked perked it perked me up a bit. But that, I guess it means nothing. The, no. the interesting thing about this is, I find like you never really know until it starts panning out a bit, like how these teams are actually going to perform. Yeah, exactly. Um. Just quickly, I'll just run through like these. Um, after England in 1966, there was Brazil, mm. then Germany, Argentina, Italy, Argentina, Germany, Brazil, France, Brazil, Italy, Spain, Germany, France. Uh, so France did win the last one. Germany before that. Yeah. France gotcha. beat Croatia in Russia. Yeah, it was Russia. Cool. Yeah. So that so does that mean that Brazil, Germany, and Italy are, are in, what, four or five each? Um. Mate, I've got a tally right here. You've okay. got Brazil have won it five times and they've yeah. run it up twice. So that's a total of seven finals. 
Yeah. Germany have won it four times, run it up four times. They've got a total of eight finals. That gives okay. them the most final appearances. Yeah. Italy fought, won it four, finals uh, runners up two, and then Argentina two, France two, Uruguay two, England, Spain, and that's oh, it. Oh, wow. That's, it's just spread between those countries. That's crazy. So I it, would have thought more countries had won it than that. So Italy have quite a rich history then of being like oh, quite yeah. Well, look at them. They've won it four times. So yeah. for them not to make, what, the last three World Cups, is it? Like that must just be a kick in the guts for them, wouldn't it? Did they not make the last three? I thought they were. I thought they no. got close in one of them. I thought they hadn't made the last three, so like it was there was no surprise that they kind of didn't make this one as well. I could be wrong though. Right. Again, I'm not. I'm not a huge soccer. Oh buff, no, but no, no. Uh, what have we got here? Well, that yeah, they might not have since they won it in 2006. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, would suck. The Italians, um, they must love it over there. Oh. I was, remember, I think were they the first team to win it and then not qualify for the following World Cup, or do you automatically qualify the following World Cup because you won it, or is there man, not like you would think you would automatically qualify it if you're a past champion, right? Surely, surely, yeah. I don't know. We'd have to, you'd have to look into it. Yeah, but it, yeah, the Italian um soccer, even that local circuit. Have you seen um Have you seen the documentary on Diego Maradona? No, I haven't seen the Maradona one. Oh my is it, god! Is it wild? It's fucking one of the best, and I'm not a soccer fan. It's one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen. Could even be the really? best, man. Could even be the best. Where? What's it on? Well, oh, I I looked it up somewhere to tell someone to watch it once. I so I can't remember. You'd have to Google it. It's just called Diego here we Maradona. Go. I've got it sure. here. Yes, yeah, Stan, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it's just called Diego Maradona. Yeah, that's it. Brilliant. I'm pretty sure, dude. Watch it because I won't. I won't spoil anything if anyone's listening that's gonna watch it. So I won't say too much. But I jumped on a plane. Um, I can't remember where I was coming back from. Maybe Indonesia or something. So yeah, I chucked that on, and um, I wasn't really expecting much because I'm not a big football fan. I didn't know anything about Diego Maradona except he was good and he was a cokehead. Yeah, and it fucking blew my mind, man. Because it has everything. Like it's got crime, like drama, bloody, just against all odds. Like, like going over to play in the Italian. Um, what he did when he went to uh, move to Italy to play in their league. Yeah, I think it's called the it's Serie A. Serie A yeah. Oh man, like what he did. It's just I just think his his career. In every way, not just on the field, but definitely what he did on the field eclipses everything Messi's done, I reckon. And I don't. Do you think? Do you think, like can have comparisons with him and Shane Warne? Oh yeah, probably. Like like when you but think no, about it, like but nah, like wait till you, see, you wait don't? till you watch this okay. documentary. Like he makes Shane Warne. Well, the shit he was kind of involved in. Not as much like what he sort of does. Like Shane Warne is like, yeah. I mean, the shit that Shane Warne got up to is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but this is this is some dodgy shit that he was okay. like wrapped up in, like um, and kind of scary too. I okay. imagine for him. But just it the way it all pans out. Like if if you haven't seen that, if you're a sports fan and you haven't seen that documentary, you have to watch it. All right, it'll it's blow on my your list mind. There. 
But I I work with a guy whose girlfriend's from Argentina. Yeah. So he's like inherited this Argentinian bloody support. You know what I mean? I don't know. He's carrying on like he's from Argentina <laughs> about that game. Like he's carrying on about how, oh, they weren't offside, like those offside calls. And they're pretty sure they like video referee those offside calls oh, to make the sure VA, they get them right. The good old VAR, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like they replayed it. Like how do you, you, I don't, you can't get it wrong when they do that. And he's saying they weren't offside. And, um, and then he was going, and I was saying to him, I thought Messi and that, Di Maria looked old yeah. and slow. Because how old is Messi now? He'd be, what, he's, how old uh, do you reckon he is? I have, I, for some reason, 35 is coming into my head. Yeah, you have nailed it. 35. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, he's getting old for sure, man. And that Di Maria is probably up towards that age too. But they, I felt like they rely on them to, like, create a lot. And those guys are too old. Like, because yeah. it looked to me like they lacked firepower. They yeah, yeah. were just kind of getting old. But I told him, I was telling him this, and hey, this guy, he's got no reason to fucking really care about Argentina. But um, yeah, he, uh, I was, t- he was telling me how good Messi was and everything. And I said to him, you know, do you, do you know much about Diego Maradona? And he's like, oh no, nah. like he did, he doesn't, because he's he's not even a soccer fan. He's just inherited this. Yeah. And, um, He's like, he's like, no, no, he's a, he's a, he's a dickhead or they don't like him and stuff over there. And I'm like, who cares about whether they like him or not, man? I'm like, he has, Messi has nothing on that guy. And he's like, no, no, if you said that in Argentina, um, you know, they, they, they'd hate you. He's, he's not a good person. I'm like, who cares? It's not, it's not about who, like, who's a better person. Like go and go and watch or like at that documentary and have a look at what that guy did in his career. It's nothing like what Messi's done. Like what Messi's done is nothing like that. Messi's gone over there to one of the most stupidously high-funded teams in the world um, where they can just buy whoever the fuck they want because money is just not an issue to them and I don't think there's such thing as a salary cap by the sounds of things. And he's gone over yeah. there and struggled to win every, every year with like them. With like a superstar team. Yeah. And then had pretty much no success in the World Cup. And then go and have a look at what Maradona did on the field and off the field. There is absolutely no comparison for me. Like probably skill-wise and stuff, sure. But I mean, do you when they look? Factor. Do you then when you look at like the great soccer players of all time, do you then look at World Cup success as being something that, that creates them and that or gives them that greatness? Or do you look at what their achievements have been with the $60 million a year contracts that they've been receiving? So my formula, which is just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just something that just comes to me is I wouldn't say what I like to look at everything. I like to, I like to look at a person's whole entire life, you know, yeah. when I'm talking about that, not just the success because I feel like the whole thing is like a is like a it's a story and it's got to be the more entertaining it is the more crazy it is the better it is right and I yeah. think like that their legacy if that's what you're talking about is only heightened by the more sort of crazy stuff that happens in it and the different you know if they battled different things addictions all this sort of stuff and they were still still had all these achievements and stuff like that 
I consider that better than a guy who is just super talented, played for like a, you know, a really good team and won the same amount of things. That's kind yeah. of how I look at that stuff. I look at like the whole the whole picture, the whole story when I'm thinking about that, even with like even with like all codes usually. Yeah. And I agree. Like if you look at like players who've won the most soccer world cups, like you, obviously they've got to have a good team about them as well. Yeah. And we've got to remember soccer is, is a team sport, so it's not an individual sport. So it is quite hard. I do get that. Yeah. But if you're looking at Messi's performances come World Cup time, he really hasn't done anything, has he? Yeah. No, not really. I mean, he got them to the final, where was it, in Brazil? Yeah. I would say he got them there, but I don't know. Like, Obviously, the team got them there, but... Uh, yeah, but before that, I don't think they got to a, he's got to a final with them. Yeah. So, they couldn't get it done. That was against Germany, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is like, and then you've got to compare like Ronaldo as well. Like does, who do you reckon is better out of them too? Because they both probably won similar sort of amounts of, what's that, what's that award they call? Bala, Bala Dior, what is it called? You know, uh, when they win the best player of the world. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called. Um, yeah, it's like because Messi got it recently, didn't he? The Ballon d'Or, it's called. Yeah. yeah. So they've just so, been sharing it for the last ten or twelve years. Those two, is that what's been happening? I'm, I'm just going to get the results up there because I, I swear there was like some other guys like coming up that really started to to kill it. Like here we go, looking. All right, so the last few years, so 22, Karim Benze, Benzema. Yeah. So in top three yeah. this year, French guy. We're not. Yeah, and then you got Messi won it last year from Robert Lewandowski and Jorginho yeah. from Italy. Then Messi won at 19, um, Ronaldo third, and then Mot- Modric from uh, Luka Modric Pis- from yeah. Croatia, yeah. Yeah, Ronaldo second. Messi, Ronaldo then in 17, Messi second. Same thing in 2016, reversal of the Quinella in 2015 with Messi winning from Ronaldo. So, yeah, so there was a period there where they quinelled it. So it was 2011 through to 2017, they were the Quinella. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... And, then, and then hold up, and then you went back, and then 2008 and 2009, they both quinelled it. Yeah, so wow. there was that one year in 2010 which – where Messi won it, and then there were two Spanish blokes that came second and, and third. Yeah, I see, and I hear more people say, people that know soccer, I hear more people say that Messi is better than Ronaldo than I hear people say Ronaldo is better than Messi. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't have a clue, though. I don't know, but that's that's just – that seems to be what I hear more often. Yeah. Well, if you're purely looking at best player in the world – Messi's won this Ballon d'Or seven times in second place five. Ronaldo's won it five times, second place six. Yeah, so okay. you're looking at him, one's, one's finished in the Cronulla 12 times and the other one's finished in the Cronulla 11 times. And it's probably where they've been against each other, to be honest. And I think the only way in that situation to split them is to maybe go back to their countries of origin and maybe just have a look into who's got the cleaner sheet of history in those countries in more recent mm. history. And I would say um, Argentina as a bunch of um, Nazi sheltering um, <laughs> people down there probably 
don't deserve it. <laughs> and and uh, do you know, I actually I used to um, date a girl from Argentina and uh, yeah. she was, her, her father was from a precinct or whatever you'd call it in Argentina. Yeah. That is apparently is still there. And they only, well, they, they don't only speak German, they speak Spanish too, but they speak German in that precinct, not Spanish. Yeah. And we all have heard the stories about Nazis fleeing there, possibly even Hitler himself. Yeah. <laughs> if you believe, if you believe he could have faked his death. So isn't it sus that they've got these like almost like states or towns there where um, they speak German? And not Spanish. Wow, that's super interesting, eh? Because imagine the deal that the um, and I used to joke about it with her that they were Nazis, but like she was, she'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right." And um, and I, I, but like, imagine the deal they would have struck up with them. They probably would have yeah. paid them heaps of money to get like their own piece of land and just keep doing their German thing. Yeah, it's fucking weird, isn't it? Very, and I, I didn't even know that. Well, this chick's dad could have been Hitler, or grand, sorry, granddad. <laughs> she wasn't that, that old. God, can you imagine that having that? What well, did you hear about? Can you imagine if I had Hitler? a kid with her, and then yeah, I, my kid was related to Hitler. Well, did you hear what the the Hitler's sons did? I think it's son or sons. Don't quote me on this in terms of who. But they deliberately chose not to have children so they wouldn't or get married so they would not continue the Hitler name. They killed off the Hitler name. Oh, my God. Crazy, eh? Fuck. (laughs) That must have been hard for them. Oh, yeah, they couldn't have children. You ready? I'll find out who. Who... That's huge. Do you think they didn't shoot one off on on the sly though? And there's still some little Hitlers running around out there. Yeah, so I'm just looking through. I'm just seeing if there's any articles about because, it. But yes, essentially, family members chose not to have get married or have children purely so they could they would not continue the Hitler name. Oh my god! Because. If you, if anybody knew the family, like, can you imagine in this day and age too, if they traced back like the people that were like, you know, related to Hitler with the internet yeah. and stuff? <laughs> it makes sense that they were like, oh wait, fuck! Imagine being that much of a piece of shit that your bloodline had to get fucking bread <laughs> bread out. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> no, you fucked up. All right, you ready? I've just got an article up here. You ready? Just reading. Hold on. See if anything comes up. I guess yeah, like I genocide and stuff is is, um, blood, is bloodline killing. Yeah, <laughs> crimes, exactly. You know? <laughs> for most, for some people anyway. Yeah, I can't find anything definitive. But, yeah, I remember reading that somewhere, which is pretty incredible. So, yeah, yeah. we're getting a bit off topic, but still. No, that's good. I wouldn't, yeah, those Argentinian that – I can't even say that Argentinians. Argentinian, yeah. Argentinians, those Argentinians have got a a lot to answer for, I say. <laughs> well, they've only ever had one player win world's best player, or that Ballon d'Or, and that's Messi. They never had any other players, I think. And I think Portugal have had more than just Ronaldo. Yeah. Have a look here. 
Really? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Eusebio, Eusebio, I've probably spelled that completely wrong. But, yeah, he's been in there a couple of times back in the 60s. Yeah, okay. So, he's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, and then they've got, yeah. So, I think he's, he's another one that's, and D, Deco, Deco, D C O. Oh, wow. So, there you go. So, there are a couple of good um, Portuguese players when Messi's been the only Argentinian one. Because, but again, I think with your mate, um, I don't think the Ballon d'Or was recognised like globally early on. Because if you're looking back through, I'm looking back through like the 50s and 60s oh, it's when European, yeah, when Pele was like the god of soccer, mm. and he's not even listed here, and Diego's not even here as well. Yeah. Okay. So you're looking at it like that. So it might have been there might be a bit of a few contentious ones in the in the in the early oh, days yeah. before it, before it went global because. Oh fuck! You would have think you would have think when you watch that documentary one of those years he would have Diego would have won that. Surely. Anyway, definitely watch that the Diego right. Maradona documentary. You won't be disappointed. It's on the list. I'm adding it now. Um. All right, man. Should we should we do some racing then? I reckon we touched on some racing, even though it's pretty pretty interesting. Pretty poor this week more than anything. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll play your intro music, then I'll talk to you. <laughs> All right. I think it's this one. All right. Enough about Nazis. Um, <laughs> should we talk about some horses? Let's talk about some horses. So we've got – it's four – there's four decent cards on the weekend. So we've got Rose Hill Gardens, which has got um, a group three and then two listed races on it. We've got Gold Coast, which has had two listed races, which, again, is starting to progress towards our summer carnival. You've obviously got the winter bottom here, the, the sprint over in Ascot, and then Caulfield actually has – I think every single race on the day at Caulfield is a stakes race or just a listed race. So in terms of, like, quality of racing – on paper, it says it's good, but I couldn't really find many edges this weekend. It's quite quite challenging, that's for sure. Okay, yeah. So, so I was going to run. To, I think we're going to have good tracks across the entire weekend for everywhere. So there's no rain expected in in Queensland, S, um, South, not South Australia. Sorry, um, New South Wales, Victoria, or WA. So we, it'll be good, which is great. Okay, good. Uh, because I'm hoping you can um. Drag me out of uh, the rut I'm in after last weekend. <laughs> not not your fault, but uh, my own mainly. Um, when ours didn't come off, I just started chasing and left with my tails between my, my tail between my legs. Really, which I'm, I think we all do. I'm down on confidence, you know. Like I yeah. really am. I don't, not in the not in the sports betting. I haven't. I stayed away from a shoe in last week, but I'm gonna. I've got one this week. But I'll oh, you got one. On, I'll post it on the socials. Yeah, unreal. I love the shoe ins. Well, we're shooting for what? Still continue 100 percent strike. 100 percent, right? baby. It's happening. No, nice. we're not dropping that 100. percent That's not. No what, that's not what it's about. It's what's well, a shoe in for a reason, isn't yeah, it? Well, exactly. <laughs> All right. So I reckon we touched on Rose Hill. Then we'll move to the Gold Coast. Do a touch a little bit on Caulfield, and then I reckon we finish with the winter bottom, and then uh, wrap it up. I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So Rose right. Hill. So Rose Hill, we've got the Starlight Stakes. We've got the Group Two, Group Three Festival, and then we've got uh, what's the cup called? We've got a random, 
random cup or the elite sand and soil cup over 2000 meters. Oh, so we've got those sand and soil. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it's got a lot of history, rich history, this race. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said before, the, the weather's going to be really nice. I don't think we're expecting a drop of rain at all between now and race day. And I don't think we're going to get anything on race day. So I expect us to be on a good three, good four track. <laughs> Worst case scenario, a soft five, but I highly doubt it depending on whether they um, opt to water it with the heat coming in. So um, the big races are, so the Starlot, or the, let's touch on the soil. Yeah, we'll touch um, on the sand and soil. Now, this is race seven, Rose Hill, over 2,000 metres, yeah? Yeah, so it's race seven over 2,000 metres. Um, it's it's a sound field, like it, it is a listed race. So we, we got that and we got a couple of a couple of decent horses getting around. So you, you've, you've got Steely, who's been around the... Been around the traps for a while. Alcione, we know, has been has been there. Uh, Ronaldinho, uh, Rodinho, uh, Rondinho, sorry, or Rodino, whatever they want to pronounce it. Pale King, they're both coming off wins, so I consider Pale it to King, be good name. That I like. That. Yeah, and and he's been really good. Like he beats he he beats him. He's one two on the trot now. The interesting thing is he's stepping back from two thousand four hundred meters, so you can see why he's probably sitting around that thirteen dollar odds. But he is in form. He's got the lightweight and he's got a good country drop on. So. Certainly, it, I give him a chance. But there's an interesting runner in this one that I I don't mind. So you look down at J-Max Mount called Long Villas. Yeah, okay. So he made his debut in Australia in that Five Diamonds race, that Ellsberg one. Remember the 1,800 metre that I unfortunately got wrong where I said that I didn't think Ellsberg had run a strong um, 1,800 metres and he absolutely blitzed it? Yeah, that wasn't, you know that, that wasn't the dead heat with uh, top ranked, was it? No, no, no. So this, so he's raced twice since then, but this was over eighteen hundred meters. Um, I think back in, it was at Rose Hill. Oh, I think it was fifth of November. Fifth yeah. of November. It was on. It was on um, Champions Day. Yeah. Okay. But at Rose Hill, so he 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 was sound in that race. But the the thing I look at in that race, it, it's, it's, it's not a bad form race to be honest. So if we look at, look at long villas and who he passed the line with was uncle Bryn. Oh yeah. All right. Now we know what uncle Bryn did. He came out and absolutely blitzed the clock, broke the track record at Cranbourne on Cranbourne cup day. And yeah, so he crossed the line with him. And then if you also look at who else was in that race, um, Sabark, so Sabark's run second, but point one of a length. Now we'll touch on Sabark um, with a horse that I'm quite keen on. Um, Laura Vindices was very good in that race, had a torrid run in transit. I think it was three wide the entire trip and battled on for third. But this was one of those days where it's quite where Ellsberg got an absolute field out front and and really just had the race to his own. So yeah. with this, I don't mind this horse second, well, second up into this race. Um, you're paying the JMAC tax, obviously. So I think it's what 420 is a favorite or second favorite now. Mate, that thing is favorite at the moment. No way. Sorry, it's second favorite to Steely. Oh yeah, there you go. So it's second favorite. So you're looking at it like that. It's drawn the absolute car park and barrier 17. So I'm not sure how the market's going to do with it, but I didn't mind his run, and I'm I'm purely looking at that race from a form perspective more than anything. Yeah, that Uncle and- Bryn form is good form. Well, you got to look at it like that. Uncle Bryn was was electric in that Cranbourne Cup. Yep. He, so, yeah. So, yeah. I like it, man. Yeah, and then I think you obviously it's a Waller horse. So, J-Mac obviously usually gets first picking of those. Um, has he got any other horses? He's got New Mandate in that race. Criminal He's got Cone. Uh, Criminal Cone, the frontman. Uh, Bonnie Ezra. 
So Waller's got a heap of horses in this race and J-Max usually gets first picking of them and he's picked this horse. So whether or not it's going to be a bet for me is, is up in air. But if I was looking at that race purely from a form perspective, he comes out of the best form lines. And if Rose Hill's not a leader bias day and J-Mac, which we know is the best in the business, can can get him, can negate that wide barrier, I think he might be a, a good chance. Yeah, okay. J-Mac, just, he just got back from Hong Kong, didn't he? Just went yeah. over there to ride a couple of winners and then flew back. A couple of, a couple of group ones, why not? <laughs> what a freak. Yeah, yeah. Don't mind being on him. So Long Villiers, race seven, Rose Hill. Yeah, so have a look at that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the market does. Like I'm really, really intrigued because you've got J-Mac on, so you're going to pay that tax, but then there's also got the wide barrier. And then obviously we're dealing with Rose Hill where there could be potentially be a leader bias, although the, road, the rail is in the true position, so you wouldn't suspect so. Yeah, okay, good. Good to know. So, yeah, so there's that one. So let's move on to the festival stakes, which mm-hmm. is the group three over 1,500 metres now. This is actually quite a nifty off-season field. Like you've got Mirror Vision, who's a very good horse and was very good in the, in the Empire Rose behind Ice Bath. Yep, Cole Crusher so that's gr- as well. <laughs> yeah, you've got Sunrise Rising. Oh, Sunshine Rising. Have you seen that horse, Mark Newnham's horse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've, I've so never, that, I don't know if I've seen him run. So that's an ex-Hong Kong horse. So it hasn't raced in, God, since January 2021. So, oh, no, that was a trial. So it hasn't raced since the 8th of December 2019. Oh, it was fifth by two lengths of that golden 60 horse. 60. So you're looking at that, and then we've got Win Bright, who was high up in the Longines. Like, we're looking back at the Hong Kong Cup, Group 1 Hong Kong Cup. Mm. Win Bright. Who, too. Yeah, Exultant, Wakuku. Jeez. Look at the like form. That's, beauty, that's A1 beauty, form. Beauty that's generation. Insane. So you're looking – if you're looking at these form lines, like it's pretty elite, but then you've also got to sit back and go, is he ready to go over 1,500 metres where he's been, been performing over 2,000? I don't know. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a sound first up record, but he's never won at the distance. Like I'm scrolling back through his form lines now and the shortest trip he's ever had is was a mile. Where he's, he's won quite a few races with Zach on board, but, yeah, I'm not sure on it. Oh, he's won one, his debut over 1,400 metres in Curra in Ireland. So he's a really interesting horse and you can see the market hasn't missed him with six bucks despite being first up after, what, over 360 days? Yeah, and he's nine years old. And he's nine years old, so he's like he's certainly like the race for only twenty two starts over for nine years. But yeah, he's one to look at. Obviously, a, a horse of mine that I've always spoken about and have an opinion on. In Kiss Some, yep, um, it's got Voldemort on, so I've already penned it. Yep. Um, <laughs> Lock Lock Eagle was immense last start behind Cold Crusher, so he yeah. crossed the he crossed the line with Wahaha Falls, obviously with weight advantage and Democracy Manifest. Yeah. And obviously beat home, never talk, um, who we've always got an opinion of as well. So there's quite a few live chances here, but the horse that I've I've really came across and I sent the I sent it to you guys last night was Cisco Bay. Yeah, Cisco Bay. That so, is and, one of my all time faves. So, so there you go. So the reason why I came across um Long Villas was actually when I was looking into Cisco Bay. So He's he's another one who's 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 quite old. I think he's an eight year old. So yep. he's had he's almost had fifty starts. But his last two runs have been awesome. So he knocked off Wicklow at Randwick over the in the big dance wild card. 
Um, really quite comfortably with Robbie Dolan on board. That's your old mate that you're yep. love singing. Yep. And he beat some pretty good horses in that that day. But yep. then he came out and ran in the big dance, albeit he was at big odds. But he came within point one of a length um, of Rustic Steel who won the race. But he actually beat Sabark home by one and a half lengths. Yeah, okay. All right. And then he's knocked off Surf Dancer Wicklow again. Um, quality Time, who I know Corbs has got a big um, opinion of. Casino Kid, who I've got a big opinion of. So he he's knocked and Hosier, which I know, but yeah. he didn't handle the deck. So he's got some really, really good form lines for a race like this. And you could probably line quite a few of them up. Robbie Dolan gets back on board. The only concern I have with the horse is, is Barrier 2 because we know he's a get-back run-on horse. Yeah. Is he going to be buried on that fence or is is Robbie Dolan going to light him up and get him a bit more handy? I don't know. Well, I like it. I, I've i been back. Well, he went on a good streak a while ago, then he had a bit of a rough patch. But before, before that rough patch, I was on him every race. He won me a fair bit of money. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a great horse. So he's by so you think so they're yeah, they're tough as old bulls. That's the other thing. So you think's probably my favourite horse of all time. I think. There you go. Is that a sign? So or is that a sign? It is a massive sign, and especially with Robbie Dolan, the little man yeah. with the big pipes. That exactly. Is, um, it's all lining up for me. And then we've obviously got the lightweight as well, so fifty three kilos. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to like about it. Um, obviously, the dangers to me are Mirror Vision, uh, Kiss Sum, and Lock Eagle. Um, I do concede that if you see money come for this sunshine rising, then nine times out of ten, it's probably wound up ready to go. So it'll be a sit and wait, but we took the early price of Cisco Bay. So if it trims in, then we can obviously look to to put a little bit on a few others to just save our bet if we need to. Yeah, okay. Nine years old. I don't, really like, I don't know about that, man. I don't, I don't know about these old horses. Hasn't raced for a year. I think I'll be staying away from that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just something to consider. And then finally, we've got the Starlight Sakes, which is another um, listed race. So, oh, over 1,100. Lovely, lovely looking race. Have a look at it. Your your mate, Juan Eva's in here. Yeah, I love her. So, um, it's actually quite a nifty field. And as you can see, the market has it. There's a very open field as well with Dragonstone, I think, 550 or thereabouts favourite. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. him and Mr. Mosaic sharing favouritism at six with what I'm looking at. Yeah. So there you go. So there's there's quite a few few horses in the market. Now, Dragonstone was absolutely amazing in the Warrior. You know that 1,000-meter race? Yep. The one at yeah. Thelric one? Yeah, he yeah. was good down so the outside. So if you watch that, he was absolutely motoring home. So you look at him, he loves good tracks. To be honest, he loves any track. So he's one that you can see why he's favourite. And Tommy Sherry was on him last time. So he knows that he's actually been on him last two starts. So he's certainly one to look at. Fox Fighter is in just elite form at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's going real well. Yeah, but what I, what a big or an interesting thing to see with that is Fox Fighter won last start with Tommy Sherry on board and he's opted to jump on Dragonstone. Ah, uh, okay, huge. All right, and the other one that I find interesting is prior to that, Sam Clipperton wrote, uh, rode Fox Fighter to his last two starts and he's now riding through the cracks, which is back down about 23 to 1. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, so just little things to consider more than anything. Obviously, you're well aware that I'm a big fan of Clippo. I think he's a wonderful jockey and he, he's really coming to form now here in Australia. So I think this race is super open and I don't think it's it's simply just pick the winner out of like straight up. Yeah. And I could I could honestly make a case for a lot of the horses in this race. Oh, God, yeah. 
tough one to pick. Where's Sam Clipperton from if he's not from here? No, he, he was in Hong Kong. He had a big stint oh, in Hong Kong and yeah, then he's okay. come back down here. Okay, so, yeah. um, and he was quite a nifty jockey over there. So it took him a while to settle back into Australia, but he's really found his feet now. And he's riding a lot of Godolphin runners when, um, yeah. when obviously Nash and J-Mac are unavailable. So yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a great jockey. So that race is super open and um, it's not one that I'm super keen to bet into, at least not yet anyway. Okay. Now I've got that. I'll be having something on Wine Diva in that because that's she's one of my faves. Just a girlfriend. Yeah, just a yeah, just a fling. But um, yeah, that's I'll definitely have to have something on her. Hey, nice. Bruckner's in that too. Uh, yeah, we had that scratch um, yeah, last was, week, was, didn't we? I was, I was quite puzzled by that scratching because I couldn't read. I couldn't find any article or any sort of tweet or anything like that regarding why they scratched. So. I don't know. Is he not ready? Is he? Did he show a bit of signs of, of lameness? I don't know. I couldn't find anything. So it's a puzzling one, but he's another one that you just look at. If you see money come for him and you know he's wound up, like he's got – he's group one placing Yeah. behind um, home affairs. Like he's got some elite form lines. So, yeah, certainly one to just keep an eye on. And if you see a bit of trickle of money coming for him, um, I'd be lining up and getting ready to get on. All right. All in all, stay away if you're smart though. Yes, correct. All right, so that's it for Rose Hill. Yeah, we want to go to yep. Caulfield? Uh, yeah, let's touch on Caulfield and then we'll touch on the GC and finish with the winner bottom. So okay. Caulfield rails out two metres, so it's not going to be super leader bias or anything like that. Um, as I said, there's nine listed races, so I think we won't touch on all of them, but I think we can touch on the Sand the Sandown Cup, yep. which is race two. Okay. So this is like a three, this is a two-mile race for the B graders. Um, as you can see, it's super, super open. Oh, yeah. All right. And you, if you're looking through it, the key with these races two is mile. look at look at horses who've done two miles. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, okay. And have won over two miles. So in this field, if you're having a look, there's literally one horse and one horse only who's won over two miles. Can I have a guess who it is? <laughs> yep. Um, True Marvel? No. Who is it? <laughs> it's a good idea. Uh, okay, yeah. Was he an emergency for the cup? So he, yeah, I think he was. So he won the Group 2 Adelaide Cup back in March last year. And he actually, okay. he won it quite dominantly. He won by about three and a half lengths. So he beat Charlie Rose, Berade, Mosh Music, Starcaster, a couple of horses that we know. I remember that. I remember that yeah. race, yeah. Yeah, so he's honestly the only horse that I would consider backing and I'm not considering backing it. So he's the one that you would get on because you know he's going to run the trip. Okay. Okay. That's good. Well, that's good to know in case anybody feels the need to back something in that race, which I'm yep. sure a lot of people will. <laughs> and, he's paying, and he's paying $7.50 as well. So there you go. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably the only, only one I'd even consider. Okay. Good. Yeah. So I thought we'd quickly touch on the Doverton Stakes because our mate Bruckner's in it. Yep. All right. So, so, oh, so he's second. He's yeah, next. he's dual nommed. Yeah. So you reckon they're going to go here with him? Um, I don't know. I think because he's based out of, of Melbourne, you probably suspect so, but I think they might be looking for um, certain track conditions. So I think they'll be gauged by the weather and, and all those sorts of things. Yeah, Okay. But if you're looking at here, like Jigsaw, if we look at that, Jigsaw's in this race and Jigsaw was just immense first up, oh, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, wasn't he? Beat home I'll a couple be... of smart ones. 
Yeah, albeit it was it was a it was a hand, it was the Apache Classic, but God, he was electric. I didn't expect him to be that wound up, ready to go, but he did, and, and he kicked the lead, and he broke the track record. So, and a track record that stu- stood for a long time. So, maybe Cindy Alderson um, has has found the bottom of him. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But he has drawn a bit wider this time round, so he's going to have to work for it. Because remember, I told you about those thousand meter races and and fourteen hundred meters races, which are quite challenging at, at Caulfield, yeah, or the twelve hundred as well. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes, but he does have that early gate speed as we can see. So, but you've got to remember that daring moves, sartorial spender, rattle and bang, and Yulon Commander all leaders. So he's probably going to have to take a sit, or he's going to have to burn a lot to get across. So, yeah, makes for an interesting race, that's for sure. All right. Okay. Cool. Another another yep. tough looking one, really. Exactly. So we'll skip through race four, which doesn't look great. Don't race sure. fives are. Right, yeah. Grace five is going to be actually a really, really good race. Yeah, okay. It's oh. small, yes, but it's a, it's a nice little group three. And this Norwegian Bliss with Nathan Doyle, he's a he's a trainer up here. Yep. So this this horse is seven from seven. Yeah, undefeated. I know it. Yeah, yeah. I can't find any like he he was first up in first uh, of November. I think that is Derby Day at Randwick, yep. and he carried the big weight and he won well. Yeah. He didn't beat much, I I do say that, but no. he's won well. So, and then you've got um, Laxbur, not Laxbur, Literary Magnate, who's got who, who I know Matthew Williams has quite an opinion of, and you got Streets of Avalon, a Group One winner who I think's passed it. Crosshaven there, Poland. So it's quite a nifty little field getting around, and there's a horse that was scratched actually, funnily enough, that I'm quite keen on up here on the Gold Coast. So um we'll talk on that but yeah okay. norwegian bliss norwegian bliss looks a, a good bet or a good horse yeah and you're right about um streets of avalon he is well past it yeah he won't win another race i don't think he will either should probably retire him but anyway so you like norwegian bliss there yeah it's not going to be a bet that's too short no yeah but it could could be a good horse could be yeah all right cool are we going to go race six at caulfield uh, too open for me, and I don't like Grand Slam. I don't know how he's the favourite, but I don't like him as a horse, probably because Williams is on. Yeah. So we brush past that, and then we move move <laughs> to the zipping the zipping classic. So this is for all of your horses who didn't even make the cup, make the cup, or the ones that are still trying to win some money. So I did see earlier today that without a fight, who was the the horse that I was quite keen on in the Melbourne Cup was ruled out on bets advice this morning. Yeah. Which was interesting. So there must be some sort of issue, and too often you see it where a Melbourne Cup runner is is never comes back. So I hope for the sake of the horse and, and Anthony Friedman that um, the horse comes back. But I guess we'll have to wait and see, and we'll just have to follow it. Yeah, that sucks. Um, um, so yeah, so interesting race. I think Vow and Declare finally gets a good deck, which he will appreciate. I thought he was sound in the in the Melbourne Cup without being rem- like without support, like not doing that well. But Johnny Allen's obviously an elite rider of stayers. Yep. Um, Luncey's comes out of that race behind Sulcum where he ran seconds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Desert Icon. You can pan it; won't run a, a meter past two thousand meters. Okay. Pen. Um. Yeah, Persan was another one in there. Persan is another sound stayer. And then you've got um, uh, Kukaracha who who comes out of the race, uh, I think it was last week, behind King Frankel. So it's it's an all right car. It's it's a very, very weak group two, yep. unfortunately, with particularly with without, without a fight scratching. 
but another one that I don't, I'm not super keen to to see what happens. Do you think Mountain Declare finally gets another win here? If this is it, this is the one. It's interesting though that Craig Williams is offered to ride Desert Icon and not Bowen Declare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but again, he rode down there two years ago. Damien Lane's been riding him ever since. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Same with Blake and Blake Shin. So Blake Shin actually rode Vow and Declare in the Melbourne Cup and in the Caulfield Cup. Yeah, okay. And he's opted to buy go for Luncey. So is that a is that a sign that that where where Blake thinks the horses is at? I don't know. Lot to think about. Yeah, but it looks like it is. Yeah, so if, if, if you'd ask me gun to my head, I'm back on Lutzies in this race. Okay, okay, all right. Good to know. And then the, the Sandown the the of... Guineas now. Oh, isn't this a junk race? Oh, my God. Let me look through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a look at it. Have a look See at it. See you in heaven, the favourite. I'm not even sure what that is. Is that, a, is, that a, is that an Adelaide horse? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> It is such a junk race. Like, it's always has been as well. Like, yeah, it's one of those races. I don't know any of these horses. No. They're all the horses that just weren't good enough for the spring carnival, and this is them just trying to get a group two to their name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd completely brush it, and I'd probably brush the last race as well. All right. What's the last one called? Import- <laughs> the last. Tile Importer Summon Stakes. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Tile Importer. Right. Yeah. I know. So there you go. Yeah, so, that one looks shit too, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think Caulfield's going to be one of those days where you're going to kind of look back and go, yuck, 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 yuck. But yeah, there might be a few bets. I might consider Luntzies as a bet um, come race day if, if I see, I don't know, if I read anything or find anything. Okay. But yeah. All right. But that would probably be it for, for Caulfield. Okay. All right. So Gold Coast. Um, yeah. So there's a, is there a couple of good races on here? Yeah, so there's two good races, and your mate Juan Deve is in one of them. Yeah. So your dual noms, you've got Jimmy Orman on up here. So the first race is race seven that we're going to talk about. It's the Eureka Tattersall's Classic. So it's over the 1,200 metres. Yeah. So it's a sprint race, and it's actually got quite a little nifty field here. So you look through Coco Rocks, who with um, Matthew Dunn's horse's favourite, I think around the $5 mark or thereabouts. Yep, that is And you've got Juan Deve. Wind Eva a second, Amity Girl, Samut, Canadian dancer, uh, Joshy Carroll's horse, extremist, and Mimi Lagarde, uh, Salatine, who we were on last start, who's disappointing. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's actually quite a little nifty field. So, we're going to be dealing with a good deck, rails in the true up there. So, it, Gold Coast is traditionally one of those those tracks where it's not, it's not impossible to make up ground, but it can be at times, and you really need to know that track. So yep. yeah, so all these horses have a have a great chance. I actually really like the horse Samut. Yeah, did you hang on? Did you say just quickly? Did Josh Carroll does he have a share in Extremist? Nah, so he just he had Extremist in the Punters Club bet just oh, um, t- yes. two or three weeks ago. Yeah, ran yep, seconds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ran seconds. So yeah, there's there's actually quite a few good horses here. So I really like Samut. Yeah, so Me, I, I don't mind Samut as well. Yes, Samut was wonderful first, um, second up at Canterbury on the heavy 10. Absolutely rocketed down outside to to nab in pulse control. Yes, it was in a small field, but it was really good. He then backed it up with a really good performance down at Randwick on a soft six and then was an unlucky runner um, behind She's a Belter um, in the hot Danish stakes. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, so 
I think he's I think he's a really really good each way chance. He's not going to be a bet at the moment because I know your horse um, Windeve is certainly a scary horse and and has us for a form which is which is pretty elite. Yeah, um, I reckon they'll run her here too. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, she does it. She does love a good deck and hates the soft and heavies. So they have both been scratched from. I mean, well, Samud's been scratched by from the other race that Juan Davis yep. in, but Juan Davis still sitting in there. Yeah, so it'll be just. I think might be a sit and wait for those connections, but yeah. um, you know, yeah, Juan Davis second up has won second up two has had five attempts for two wins in a second, and just loves good decks. Yeah, so she's tough as nails. Yeah, she's just drawn the drawn a bit awkwardly, but um, yep. she's she's a good horse. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So that's an, one to consider, and then we've got the Recognition Stakes Race Eight. Yeah, oh yeah, what have we got? So Samut's actually been scratched from this race, so it's interesting that they were off for race all, seven. Samut's throwing his Samut all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely been um, definitely been all over the place. <laughs> So, um, so I I think this race here is a race in two. I think it's between yeah. Holyfield and Kinlock. Holyfield was awesome first up, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, I love a bit of Holyfield. Um, John Short but, though, it's a shame. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and if you go back, if you get the chance, go back and watch Kinlock's race last start at at um, he's in a class six at Durban. It was an absolute moral beat. It's just running up bums the whole time and. I don't. I still have no idea how Rubamos is ahead of it in the market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Rubamos a, won that race, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But had had a field day up there and had an absolute peach from um uh, a peach from Jimmy Orman. And now Samantha Cole is great. Not going to question that. But I thought Kinlock was the unlucky runner of that race. And with even luck, barrier one is considered a bit handier, get the right split. And I think it'll be Holyfield and Andy just, just battling it out. Yeah, okay. Okay. You think that, yeah. So that barrier one, you don't think there's any chance it gets stuck again? No, I could. That's the concern. And yeah. I think that's why you, why you can see your market there at $6.50. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. So, so it could might end up being a bet potentially, but we'll wait and see. But I do like the weights, uh, the weight difference that they have. Oh yeah, six kilos. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, wait and have a look. Uh, should we go to WA? Let's do the last one. Let's touch on the big group one. Okay, Ascot, the group one. Now that is cool. race. Um, race eight. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, Rocky's so, over there. Yeah, I was I was waiting for you to see that. So. <laughs> Rails out three meters now. Remember two weeks ago when we were at um, when we were at Ascot and the rail was out five meters, I think it was, and it was very very leader biasy. So you had to be in lanes one, two, or three to be any chance of winning. Yep. Yeah. It was yeah. A nightmare. Yeah. So just to cons- take into consideration where this rail position is. So we're in rail th- out three meters. So the chances are well, you might not see if you're looking at historical data, you're not going to see horses running on down those big wide barriers, um, sorry, big wide runs down the straight. So okay. those horses with the big finishes on them, I'd be a bit concerned for them. Horses like your, your Stagemans, your um, Miss Kentuckys, Pulele's, um, all of those horses with the big finishes on them, I'd be a bit concerned if I was, um, if I was them. Yeah, okay. All yeah. right. You so reckon it's going to play like that again? I reckon it could. And that's just, just food for thought. 
Yeah. So the horses that I'm considering, and there's only two really, is Rothfire. Oh, yeah. All right. So he's he's in drawn absolutely ideal. So I expect Rothy just to sit there. I I think they're going to kick up India Pacific from, from barrier 15, and he's obviously going to lead that. But I have Rothy just sitting parked in behind him and just getting the peel out and then just rocketing home. And do you think, like, he's been racing the best horses best sprinters oh. in the country. Do you think this is a case of kind of him going over there and just being too good for WA's best? I feel like, yeah. Like he was within like, – like Rothy was within one length of Nature Strip last start. Yeah. He, like Nature Strip, baller, giga kick. Um, yeah. Bell, he beat Bella Nipotina home. He beat – yeah. dusted Paul Ailey. beat Mask Crusader home. So if you're looking at those form lines, like that is elite – isn't it? Yeah, he's had, he's had some tough runs at the Valley this and prep he, too and, where he's and run we know, really strong. Yeah. And we know he loves a good deck, so he's going to get that over here. He's going to get that rail where it needs to be in the three metres out. Like, he looks a great bet. And the other one that I I wish really, he didn't have Damien Oliver on, though. Well, Damien Oliver's ex-WA. He came from Perth. Did he? But I, Yeah, he's an ex-Perth boy. Yeah, okay. So well, this is, I, I don't, you know, you'd need something like... It'd be hard to stop him, I reckon. Yeah. So I think he's a great chance. And the other horse that I really like was my Bella May. Okay. So um, she's actually undefeated, three-year-old filly. So she gets in on the minimum, so 51.5 kilos. So if you have a look at her race in the Placid Arc on the 12th of November, I think it was, which was that that kind of – what's the date today? Today is the – 24th of November. Yeah, so that was that leader bias day again. So she sat off the speed that day, peeled out into lane three and four and actually rocketed home and won the race. Now, her time, interestingly enough, was actually three lengths quicker than the other 1,200-meter race. Wow. So she, yeah, she, the, she ran really, really good time that day. So one would suggest that she'll obviously improve off that She's got a good jockey in Stephen Parnham on, and she's undefeated. Like, you can never discount an undefeated horse, and horses on the minimum. Yeah, wow, 51 kilos. It's $13 I've got for her too. There you go. So I have her. So she'll probably follow this will test you across. Where she gets up in the map is, is a bit concerning for me because she has drawn a bit out. If she'd drawn, say, barrier six or barrier five or even next to Rothy, then I'd be having a bet on her. But... With her drawn out, I'm not sure about that. So I'll, I'll save it for the day. But if I had to pick one now, one and 16. But I will say, if you see horses flying down the outside and they're really running on, then look for Elite Street in Miss Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you'll have to watch to see if it, if it is actually going to play like yeah. that. And it's one of those things, when you're dealing with these really rock-solid decks – just keep an eye out for track biases because they do they can have the tendency to be. So that's why I always seem to recommend, and I, I do it with Corbs all the time, where I re- sit back and go, all right, mate, just wait till race day because it's pointless betting on a, a, a Thursday or a Friday because all the early market shopping's already occurred. So you're yeah. not going to get a good price about it. So that's why I sent um, Cisco Bay to you guys last night because just get snap up that early price. If it comes in, awesome, and you've got the early price – but it's pointless getting on now purely for the fact that you're not going to see a huge amount of market push until Friday morning and then, of course, Saturday morning and Saturday. Yep. 
Yep, gotcha. Well, this looks like a really nice little race, man. And uh, oh, ripper race, isn't it? A great little sprint. Yeah, I'm hoping that that'll be on a nice time, six forty-five or five forty-five, depending where you're from. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Rothfire go around in that. Hopefully, you can get it done for Richie. Oh, Rich will, Rich will be up and about if he gets up, won't he? Oh, big time. That'll be great. Um, well, that's. Did you want to speak about any others at Ascot or? No, that well, I haven't really delved into that that card yet. It's been kind of a busy week, as yeah, as you're fair. well aware of what what's happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I haven't really dug too deep into the Ascot card. Tokyo Drift. Yeah, good old Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I haven't had a great look at it, but I will look over it. And obviously, if I find anything, then we'll just post it to the to the to the socials, and everyone can be on it with us. Okay. Yep. Great. Well, mate, thanks for uh, joining me today. That was, that was fantastic. It was good. It was good. It was good to sit on the main panel for once. Yeah, I know. Well, we're gonna have to uh, when we all get together, which I think we probably should soon. We'll uh, we'll have to get you in live for one. Yeah, that'll be good fun. That'll be amazing. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. And thanks, thanks again. mate. Have a good night. You too. See ya.